What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we're going to talk about my top 12 dynasty wide receiver rankings. We're going to do a nice little tier list because, to be honest with you guys, when it comes to these rankings, for anybody out there that has used my rankings the past two years that I've been doing this, writing articles, making rankings, all that good stuff, I always have tiers. I'm I feel much more firmly about you know tier A versus tier B than I am player A versus player B because we're really splitting fine hairs here. So I think tiers are very important to kind of have distinguished. Now, this is going to be one of the last dynasty videos of the season, or not one of the last ones. I don't want to I don't want it to be that somber, but we're transitioning into redraft season. We're putting a bow on dynasty wide receiver or dynasty wide receiver rankings right here. We are going to do a a crazy ambassador type video in a couple days to kind of just put a bow on the rookie draft season from the crazy ambassador series we're going to be doing uh pretty much a rookie redraft value type video to kind of transition into redraft then once we get to redraft don't worry we'll probably do some like patron team breakdown stuff and i'll definitely be doing dynasty videos maybe once a week ish in that range but in terms of pedal to the metal dynasty content we are definitely winding down here so with that being said strap in we're gonna go over my top 12 dynasty wide receiver rankings as always the full list top 24 top like 80 wide receivers top 250 dynasty rankings all the good stuff on the patreon patreon.com slash ron stewart with that being said if you enjoy the video make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like we're gonna be doing this one take drake style let's go so let me get that picture in picture going real quick we're in the top right corner of the tier list let's talk about my dynasty wide receiver one and i'll be honest i go back and forth on this i actually just recently put him at wide receiver one ahead of justin jefferson but we're gonna go with jamar chase wide receiver for the Bengals. And kind of what it comes down to is that he's Justin Jefferson, but he's Justin Jefferson one year ago. And at this point, I, we might as well, two players that were similar prospects on the same trajectory, where you could say Jamar Chase was the better prospect, went top five, had maybe even a better rookie year than Justin Jefferson did. He's on that same trajectory. You get him a year earlier. And then he, on top of that, he is tied with Joe Burrow into perpetuity. Him and Joe Burrow are going to be tied for a very long time, whereas Justin Jefferson has Kirk Cousins, who might be on his way out. So there's a little bit more quarterback you know unknowns with Justin Jefferson but we're kind of splitting hairs here really all you have to say about Jamar Chase legendary prospect was the wide receiver five last year he's only 22 he had a 23.7 percent target share despite being the wide receiver five he has plenty of room to grow I expect him to be somewhere in that like T Higgins definitely limits his ceiling from like a 30 percent target share Devontae Adams type target share perspective but I expect him to be in like that 26 27 percent target share type range pretty much exceeding 20 points per game at this point and i'm fading any and all of uh, I, we see this every year like they're it's really funny that people see like insane year ones and then they just go yeah i'm expecting a year uh, a year two slump a sophomore slump here and the funniest part is is like that kind of analysis i'll see it on twitter i'll see it on youtube oh i think this guy's just gonna have a, a sophomore slump there's not a ton of signal or data that you can kind of point to and say this is why he's going to be uh he's going to slump in his sophomore season there's almost never data. I saw that last year with Justin Jefferson. I saw that last year with Justin Herbert. People were like, oh, Justin Herbert was sick as a, as a rookie. That efficiency is going to regress. Here's the thing. Ta players that look talented in year one, year one's the biggest indicator we have. If you look insane in year one, you're going to be a good player from there on. As long as it's not fluky, it's not like just a four-game stretch. Jamar Chase dominated the entire year. Now, the interesting part with Jamar Chase is something that I haven't seen in year past where 
he is being treated like a perennial top five wide receiver in redraft at this point. He's a top six redraft pick on underdog, by the way, underdog, best place to play fantasy football. You can go in there, hop in drafts literally right now. I'll put the graphic up too. Why not put the graphic up? But you can hop into drafts literally right now. Go out there, contend for like $10 million of top of Bestlemania 3. You can do a $5 enter puppy. They just they just entered out. I already have done 25 in like the last week, which is kind of insane. Um, but yeah, Underdog's amazing. Best best ball platform out there. Best fantasy platform out there. Really slick app and all that. So if you go on there, use my promo code. It's going to be uh, in the description. It'll probably be down below in the comments. But if you use my promo code, Ron, when you hop on Underdog, they will give you a $100 deposit match. So if you put in $10, they will match $10. They will match all the way up to $100 with promo code, Ron. Now, with Underdog, or just with these rankings in general, it's really rare to see Jamar Chase already is the wide receiver three because if you if you remember this time last year right with Justin Jefferson he was the wide receiver one in dynasty last year he had pretty much the same year one as Jamar Chase he comes out the next year and in redraft he goes to like that two three turn with like AJ Brown DK Metcalf last year pretty much around like pick 24 now we have Jamar Chase at pick 5.3 this is probably one of the first times where we have the top two dynasty wide receivers and the top three redraft wide receivers while they're like 22 and 23 years old. I know that we used to have like Devontae Adams at wide receiver one, Michael Thomas as well, but those guys kind of ascended like in season, if that makes sense, where it's midway through the season. Okay, they're there. They're having their dominant season. But when we're talking about like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, these are are young players. They haven't done it yet. And they're already being put put up there in redraft. So it's kind of interesting where usually the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in dynasty, like last year with Justin Jefferson, he wasn't really a contending piece. I, I mean, he was as a two three turn type guy but you were paying a higher price in dynasty than you were in redraft now we're seeing those prices match up where jamar chase and justin jefferson where they're kind of looked at as players you should be you should be building around as a rebuilder they're also players where outside of cooper cup they give you the only access to top three wide receivers in redraft through the top three dynasty wide receivers or top two in jamar chase and then justin jefferson now that doesn't really do a ton for the dynasty value but i just think it's interesting to note how strong of bets they are for this season we haven't really seen players be this highly ranked in redraft and dynasty at the same time since like odell beckham and we have two of them at this point so it's just something something cool to note now the next thing we'll talk about justin jefferson these guys you're splitting hairs over if you prefer justin jefferson because you've seen it already and uh he doesn't have to compete with t higgins and there's there's narratives you can spin up for both i see the bull side i see both sides i go back and forth with them all the time but at this point again chase is heading into his second season Justin Jefferson's heading into his third. Both guys are amazing. And if you look at Justin Jefferson's year three comps, this is from my prospect database where legendary wide receiver tiers are the best wide receiver prospects in my entire model. He threw two seasons. So players that were similar prospects to him and players that had similar production through two years, you have Julio Jones, AJ Green, Odell Beckham, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is not a great one on there, but I think Justin Jefferson kind of already put himself away from Sammy Watkins as a guy who just finished with a top five season he's up there with Odell he's up there with AJ Green Julio Jones he's up there with a 30 percent target share 19.4 points per game he's second in points per game on there he's second in target share just absolutely wild the kind of the kind of wide receivers we've sort of been gifted here in Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase now there's a massive tier break from wide receiver two to wide receiver three I have a tough one or I have a tough time with this especially after the AJ Brown trade but I still lean A.J. Brown as my wide receiver three. He's turning 25. We know he's very good. He commands a ton of targets. He's ultra efficient. 
And that's what I'm going to bet on. He had a 27% target share last year. He had a 26% target share the year before that. His three years in the league, he's been fifth, second, and fifth in yards per route run. Top five in all of that. So he commands volume at a high rate. His target share is high, and he's efficient on that volume. He now goes from a very low pass volume with the, the Titans. He's going to the Eagles. And I think a lot of people are very concerned about that move that pretty much the only other team that runs the ball as much as the Titans are the Eagles. The issue is, is I think the Eagles have an analytics front, uh, analytics driven front office. They have Howie Roseman. They have made moves up to this point that signal to us. It doesn't make a ton of sense for them to want to run the ball. They drafted undrafted free or they picked up undrafted free agent Kennedy Brooks while they traded away their 18th overall pick, third round pick for AJ Brown. Not addressing running back at all. I just can't see a world where they have AJ Brown, where they invested an 18th overall pick, a third rounder. They invested a first rounder, Devonta Smith, the year before. They have Dallas Goddard at tight end. I just don't see a world where all of that points to them wanting to run the ball. I truly do think that what we're going to have here is they're going to go from, I think they were the 32nd team in pass attempts per game last year. I think they're going to go to pretty much league average, like top 10 ish in pass attempts per game. They're going to set up this offense. They want to pass the ball. They're looking around the league. All the best teams in the NFL pass the ball at a league high rate. You have the Chiefs. You have the Bills. You have the Rams. You have I'm trying to think the the Bengals are not at a league high, but they're they're passing the football and they're winning because of the pass, not because of the run. You're not going to win championships on the back of Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. It just doesn't make sense. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to have Jalen Hurts throw the ball at the rate that they want to throw the ball at, and if he can't handle it, they'll adjust on the fly. They'll tweak the offense back to what it was last year. And then after that, they'll cut ties with Jalen Hurts having two first round picks in 2023. But again, I just don't, I don't believe that this isn't what they want to do. Last year through six weeks, you have Nick Sirianni, new head coach. And I keep saying this, I'm going to have this graphic. I'm going to have the same spiel maybe even every week at this point, but I'm going to scream at the top of my lungs. I'm overexposed to them on underdog. I'm overexposed to all the Eagles everywhere. I'm going to be betting heavily on the Eagles for 2022. I just don't see a world where they make these moves and they don't try to pass the ball more. Last year, Nick Sirianni came in. He wanted to install his offense. His offense is what we saw through six weeks. They were top five in passing volume uh, in neutral game scripts. So this, this is not garbage time, not like fourth and long or anything like that. In neutral game scripts, he wanted to pass the ball a ton. Up there with guys like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Chargers, all of those types of teams. Then they adapted the game plan on the fly as kind of injuries hit. The passing game didn't look as good as it, as it should have. All of that. That's when they switched. They ran the ball more. They got Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Jordan Howard all more involved. Gainwell more involved. I just don't see that changing. So there's a chance where they get back to passing the ball a ton. We see A.J. Brown come in to 27% target share, play a full season, super efficient with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard out there. I mean, if he has a 27% target share this year and the Eagles pass at like the 15th highest rate in the league, he's pretty much a lock as a top five to seven wide receiver with overall wide receiver one type upside. He is a monster, just comes down to health. When he's on the field, he commands targets and he's super efficient. That's really all it comes down to for AJ Brown. Now, next up, we have Debo Samuel, who... I think it's also probably going to be a little controversial at wide receiver four, but he's another one where I'm just convinced. I'm convinced that him and AJ Brown, I, I couldn't be more sure among all the other wide receivers in terms of players, I think are just very good at football. Debo Samuel through the first half last year of the season, people love to point at like Debo Samuel running the ball a ton and all this stuff through the first half of the season last year, he was a 30 plus, he was a 30% plus target share guy on the season. That's a Devonte Adams, Cooper cup type target share. It wasn't until Elijah Mitchell got hurt that he sort of transferred 
his usage from receptions to rushes and that was completely a coaching decision but then you also have the weird um contract talks this offseason where he doesn't want to play for the the 49ers anymore and he just he doesn't want to run the ball pretty much is what it came down to he, he he gasses up like the wide back thing but he doesn't want to run the ball as much as you know sort of the the i guess not the media leads on but as much as kyle shanahan would like to see him run the ball so i think they're actually going to shy away from that and on top of that even with the weird rushing usage and all of this other stuff he still managed to be a 20 plus point per game type wide receiver which is elite type production so the beauty of Debo Samuel is we want the receiving profile. We want the receiving production. We're hoping for that. But if he does stall out in the passing game or Elijah Mitchell gets hurt, he has multiple passes scoring fantasy points for your team, which is really important. Now, again, this is a really good football player. Somebody who I just believe is a talented wide receiver. Well, this is not what I'm looking for. But with Debo Samuel, last year, super efficient. He was second in yards per out run. He was the wide receiver three in points. But if you look at this chart, this is pff's fantasy points and you have expected fantasy points the x points that column x points stands for expected points which is just on the volume you were given how many fantasy points should you have put up he should have only been at 240.7 which wouldn't have even been in the top eight he exceeded that point by 97.3 fantasy points which is insane it's the highest on this graphic even more positive points or, or points over expected than a cooper cup last year which is insane it's it's insane now i think people are going to point to that you know efficiency is not super sticky year to year you shouldn't bet on that thing but what it shows us is that he is very good at football it was not a fluke we saw him do it last year we saw him look really good as a rookie he was injured in year two from what we've seen with debo samuel he's been really good he's been really efficient on a per route basis he's commanded a ton of targets he has been very good now again we want him to be in that wide receiver role he's super versatile i like having a player like debo where he can win However, however, the game plan is that we Kyle Shanahan is going to have a game plan where Debo Samuel, he can either take the ball out of the backfield or catch the ball down the field and somehow catch a touchdown, give you good fantasy points on that week. So when we go into this year and he's going to have the rushing scaled back, which is good. I think that there's kind of a misconception where people think that the rushing thing, like him taking handoffs is good for him. And that that's the only reason that he was good last year when it couldn't be further from the truth. He, would have, he was better last year when he was just catching the football. But again, I like having multiple avenues to him scoring points. But again, we would like to see him just be in that wide receiver role, which looks like he's pushing for that behind the scenes. So that is our wide receiver four on this list. Then we have, the, then we have T. Higgins. And I'm not trying to hear the... You're seeing a lot of takes on Twitter these days of... Same stuff we were hearing about last year of like T. Higgins versus Michael Pittman of like how could you like T Higgins as a top five dynasty wide receiver if he's not even the wide receiver one on his own team fellas I, I have to be honest with you guys I do not care I genuinely do not care what the depth chart looks like I do not care in dynasty we have these players for long term we have them for long periods of time we know this now with AJ Brown we know this now with Devontae Adams we know this now with Tyree Kill we know this now I guess you can put Amari Cooper in there but not really but you guys get what I'm saying wide receivers are going to be moving like crazy Marquise Brown they move all over the place. So I do not care who was on their depth chart because T Higgins is now going into year three. He is only locked in into Cincinnati for two more years. And he either gets the benefit from insane efficiency from defenses, just absolutely shading the entire thing towards Jamar chase with a quarterback and Joe Burrow, or he's going to go somewhere else. And then he's going to have that target ceiling of like 30 plus percent target share on the season. So either one of those scenarios, he's still doing just fine. All I care about, I don't care about depth charts. I care about target share he had a 24 percent target share last year that was more than cd lamb i'm trying to think i'm trying to think who else that was more than but it was it was a really good mark it was more than cd lamb 
It was more than, I'm trying to think of who else kind of gets brought up in that conversation, but you guys get what I'm saying. 24% target share is really, really strong. He did that next to Jamar Chase. He was the wide receiver 12 last year in points per game. This is a guy where he's going to be tied to Joe Burrow for a long time if he doesn't go somewhere else, like we said. But assuming that he stays on this team, like a lot of people that say, oh, but he's not even the wide receiver one on his own team. Again, last year, in just year two, he's only in his second year. He was a top 12 wide receiver in points per game with a 24% target for next to Jamar Chase. This is going to be a high-scoring offense for a long time. And we've seen, you know, this idea that we have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, a really powerful offense, kind of supercharged the entire offense where, what's that saying? It's like a... um a raising tide lifts all ships, something among those lines. But we've seen it before. We've seen it with Roddy White and Julio. We've seen it with Calvin and Julio. We've seen it with Diggs and Thielen. We've seen it with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. You can you can go back crazy. You can go Randy Moss, Chris Carter. You can go Isaiah Bruce. Torrey Holt, was that him? You can go uh, Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall on the Jets when, when they were go- doing their thing. Like, you can go, uh, I'm not going to say Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham, but there's been plenty of wide receiver duos that perform at a high level in fantasy when you have two players that are actually extremely, extremely good when we're talking about a guy like this. You also had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I, I just don't think when you have Joe Burrow at quarterback and you have wide receivers as good as this that they they definitely limit each other's ceiling from getting like a 30% target share, super dominant type guy, but that doesn't cut them off from top five wide receiver upside. It probably just cuts off T. Higgins from being the wide receiver one in overall in fantasy. And there's maybe three to five wide receivers that even have that ceiling to begin with. So when we look at T. Higgins, we look at just kind of his peripheral numbers and the, and the sort of company that he's in after just two seasons in the NFL, had a 15.7 point per game last year, 24% target share, already has a top 12 season through two years. This is the list that the, the database spits out. So he's a gold prospect, so it's going to go up to elite and silver. And then on top of that, it's just going to match up his similar point per game and target share numbers through year one, and then similar point per game and target share numbers through year two. At his ceiling, you have guys like Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Juju, AJ Brown. Even Terry McLaurin is a fine comp. After that, you have Kenny Britt, Jordan Matthews, not as pretty, but I do believe that because Higgins already hit that top 12 season, that you're probably looking at somewhere in the range of Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, obviously Cooper Cup before like his age 29, like crazy renaissance, but just players that are really, really solid. I think that that's all you can really say about T. Higgins at this point is that he's really, really good. Now, when we go to our next wide receiver, I think this is where a lot of you guys are probably going to get a little bit mad, but I don't think so. Again, these are tiers. If you want to have CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver three, I do not care. I do not care. I see the appeal. I understand it. That's why they're in the same tier, fellas. But with CeeDee Lamb, this is why I have him behind T Higgins and why I have him at wide receiver six. I, I don't see him like a lot of the dynasty community sees him as the very clear wide receiver three, almost a tier ahead of AJ Brown, Debo and T Higgins. And when we talk about CD lamb, the issue with him is target share. Again, we love target share and we'll get into why target share matters in a second. I do think that eventually this offseason, probably in the next couple, next couple to few weeks, two to three weeks, I will probably be making a video why target share is king and why target share really matters and kind of highlight some players that had really good target shares or like really good targets per outrun. But we have T Higgins who had a target share, his rookie year of 18.6%. Then you get Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd in his second year, which who combined for 41.1% of the targets. Higgins then improved his target share to 24.1%. So they add competition with Jamar Chase and his target share vastly improves. Then you have CeeDee Lamb come out in year two. They still had Amari Cooper, 
They had Michael Gallup. They only combined for 36.6% of the targets. Lamb only improved his target shares at 19.7%. Now, if you want to say, oh, but target shares and everything, points matter more. T. Higgins also outscored him in fantasy points per game. I have a very hard time because of that putting CeeDee Lamb ahead of T. Higgins. They are in the same tier for me. Also, this is a great tweet by uh, at Dynasty underscore IM. He's a very, very good follow. A very sharp Dynasty guy on Twitter that I would call one of my best pals in the Dynasty space. So that's kind of the issue. I, I do think the reason why they are they are neck and neck, I have T. Higgins just ahead, but I do understand that C.D. Lamb, I think on the median, I think T. Higgins has got C.D. Lamb like probably like 65% of the time. But in terms of ceiling, C.D. Lamb would be one of those guys on the short list that could have like a 28% target share, 29% target share, wide receiver, one overall type season. I don't think it's going to happen, but because he doesn't have a Jamar Chase on the other side of him, he has that upside but we haven't seen anything. It would be unprecedented to go from 19.7% target share to 30%. Now, I guess it's dynasty and you're expecting that maybe year four, year five, something among those lines in terms of seeing that ceiling outcome. And even me, someone who you guys know shoots for upside in all scenarios, I don't think that ceiling is worth chasing with CeeDee Lamb when T. Higgins just proved that he is that good. Now, regardless, if you want to have CeeDee Lamb ahead, again, they're in the same tier, but let's talk about the good part about CD Lamb and kind of why I have him at wide receiver six. I will say I used to be one of those. I even say I, I used to be one of those scumbags that had him at like wide receiver 12, wide receiver 13 was like the target share is just not enough. Here's the issue. Um, actually, let me show you guys why target share actually matters. I think a lot of you guys are going to be like, who, who cares at all about target share? Here's the thing. This is pass attempts per game season over season from every NFL team. It is super noisy. It is all noisy. This is from at a Nelly Lytics on Twitter. Chasing, you know, team level target, target share stuff isn't good at all. Player level target share is extremely sticky. Raw target numbers team to team is not. Now with CeeDee Lamb, in terms of what I think about him, I think he's a great wide receiver. I have him literally as my wide receiver six. If you want to bump him to the top of this tier again, go ahead. I just largely reject ADP having him at that wide receiver three spot. Now let's say some some positives. You know, we'll do a little bit of the eight mile. I'll talk about the pot or yeah, the eight mile where we talk about the 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 negatives up front. But let's talk about some positives. And the first thing is, is I respect what the market thinks. Even if I don't agree with it, I have to understand that on the aggregate, on the whole, almost always the market knows best. ADP is undefeated. And on underdog. CeeDee Lamb, as of right now, is the wide receiver six. He is going only behind Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs. I think now Diggs and Adams have switched on that ADP screenshot. But again, if he if the market has him at wide receiver six, I don't think you can have him any lower than wide receiver six for Dynasty, where CeeDee Lamb is probably the better Dynasty asset than he is the redraft uh, asset. And if I have T. Higgins at wide receiver 11, T. Higgins and CeeDee Lamb need to be pretty much right next to each other. I can't have, if T. Higgins is the wide receiver 11 in redraft ADP, and you have T. Higgins as your wide receiver 5 in Dynasty, you can't then have CeeDee Lamb as your wide receiver 12 in Dynasty, with CeeDee Lamb being the wide receiver 6 in redraft. Now, I know that that's a lot of like reverse engineering. It's like, why would they, why would it matter? The current year projection for younger players tells us a lot of information. CeeDee Lamb, on this list is the highest player going in redraft or the second highest player going into year three behind Jefferson on this list. Now, if you say, you know, ADP is kind of nonsense and I kind of, I, I don't agree with ADP all the time, but one of the more conservative analysts out there or conservative projectors out there, Mike Clay at ESPN, 
I love using his projections. Now, I also have a, a video planned eventually where I kind of want to look at his projections and put them against ADP and kind of see who he's higher or lower on. But he has CD Lamb projected as the wide receiver eight here with only 21% target share. So you guys can see all the way on the right side, only 21% target share. If he can get his target share, he was at a 20.7% target share last year. So that's not even really seeing an increase with Amari Cooper leaving. I think he actually probably sees an, an, an increase. Last year on a per round basis, he only played about 80% of the routes, but you have Amari Cooper leaving. He should get that up to like 90%, 95% plus. On a per route basis, he was commanding a target on 24.7% of his routes, but he only had a 20.7% target share. Usually when we see a lag like that, the target share eventually catches up. So I think that it's probably fair to put him in that range for, I'd say conservatively, like 23% target share, 24% target share. I would say if you want to get aggressive, maybe like 25, 26, 27 27 would would put him at like a top three type number. So I'm not projecting him for that, but it's in his range of outcomes and that's exciting. So that's the nice stuff that I'll say about CD Lamb. Again, I do not think CD Lamb is bad. I just think that the idea that he is a, in a tier almost separating between the top and AJ Brown, Debo and T Higgins is misguided. But if you want to have him at wide receiver three, but have him very close to the other wide receivers in that same tier, more power to you, brother. Now, the next wide receiver we'll talk about, Cooper Cup. We're taking, we're taking forever on this, but I don't care. We're going, we're going thorough here. Talk about Cooper Cup, who is largely a win now asset at 29. He's coming off genuinely the most dominant wide receiver season I have ever seen in my goddamn life. He went out there and he is not only the first wide receiver ever. These are these are best ball win rates where you can see the ADP, the year, how many points they scored, and then their win rate, right? So 32.9% win rate means 32.9% of people that drafted Cooper Cup won their entire league. Let me let me say that one more time. If you had Cooper Cup on your roster and nothing else mattered, you won your league a third of the time just for having Cooper Cup on your squad. Insane. Wide receivers don't do that. That's why you see this. This is filtered by the highest win rate seasons ever since since like 2015. He is the only wide receiver above 25%. He is up there with a bunch of running backs as like top six seasons ever in win rate. He is also one of only three skill position players have a 400 plus point season with david johnson and christian mccaffrey now he did have an extra game to get up on those other guys but still impressive he's the wide receiver one overall in redraft we're projecting him for 20 plus points per game true difference maker a guy that can win you championships in dynasty i have him a tier ahead of Devonte adams uh Diggs, tyree kill because you have Devonte adams and um tyree kill switch teams so it's hard to project them for that difference making 20 plus point game type upside you have stefan Diggs, who didn't show it last year and cooper cup i imagine the situation is exactly the same him and stafford it would shock me if he finished outside of the top three to five wide receivers this year. I think he's pretty much a lock at that point. It's just a matter of really the only downside is that eventually the, the market's going to get sick of him and he's going to end up in the Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins range within the next two to three years as he kind of winds down in production. But until then, you're, you're trying to win championships. Next up, we have DK Metcalf, wide receiver eight for me. And I get this doesn't this year doesn't look great for Metcalf, but... This is dynasty, okay? I get that he has Drew Locke at quarterback or Geno Smith, whoever you think is going to play. He's the wide receiver 19 in redraft ADP, which is not good. I'm sticking my neck out for Metcalf here as my wide receiver eight. Again, this is dynasty. I just think that he is super, super talented. I think that you could even put him, if his situation stayed the same with Russell Wilson, he would be an A tier for me, maybe even between AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, most likely between Debo and T Higgins. The issue is, again, he showed so much signal last year that he is a talented player. I just have to buy in. He's only 24 years old. And for a guy like Metcalf, 
what he did last year was really impressive. Now, again, I know it didn't show up in the points. I know it didn't show up in the production. But for a guy that has an average depth of target past the first down marker, so 12.4 yards on his average depth of target, he dominated targets. He had a stretch of games with Geno Smith. He had an injured Russell Wilson. And even those guys who it's hard to explain. It's hard to understand why a guy like Geno, who is limited, who's older, would even trust DK Metcalf that far down the field. Same thing with Russell Wilson, who's coming off an injury, trusting him that far down the field. A 27.3% target share that far down the field is wild. He was 30 NFL on deep targets, which I believe are deep are targets 20 yards or more down the field. He was getting open at an alarming rate. Eighth highest target share in the NFL. His previous career high was 24.1%. Again, absolutely wild for how far down the field he operates on when we talk about a guy like Debo Samuel he had a 27.8% target share but was on an 8.1 a dot 87th in the NFL when we look at DK Metcalf 12.4 a dot 23rd in the NFL it's just much more easier for guys like Debo Samuel guys like Cooper Cup who also has an a dot before that 10 yard marker to command more targets so when you're doing it that far down the field it's impressive so if he commands the volume again and he sees any kind of efficiency he's going to pay off the issue is Efficiency is going to be a little bit tougher to get with bad quarterback play, but I do believe that with Tyler Lock on the other side of the field, you have Noah Fan kind of taking some things away. He's going to have probably a full year, whichever quarterback this is going to be. There's also a path for this to be either Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, which would be absolutely fine for DK Metcalf. I think they could make a trade like that. You have DK Metcalf, who has all the explosiveness and speed in the world where he can just take a take a pass and just run it to the house on his own. He has the, the the explosiveness to make his own efficiency. That's why I'm very excited with him. He's also in his last year of his deal. He either could get traded, or I think that we'll see Pete Carroll probably trade or Pete Carroll probably get fired with this regime where there's no Russell Wilson, they're not winning games, or maybe not even get fired. He might even just step down. Something among those lines. So I think that the uh, the era of the Seahawks offense doesn't pass the ball a ton is really boring with a bad quarterback is either going to be gone very soon. Or DK Metcalf is just going to be thrusted into a new situation entirely, which any situation for DK Metcalf would be a big bump for him. I'm still very much interested in him, and I'm still very much buying if you can get a discount out there for any price in like that back-end wide receiver one type area. Wide receiver nine, we'll talk about Jalen Waddle. And I'm not love I'm not in love with Waddle, right? For someone that is a target share truther, that's a little bit weird, right? He had a 24.8% target share as a rookie, and that's really, really strong. The issue is the target share is elite, but it was sort of junk volume last year. He caught a hundred he caught a hundred passes for 1,015 yards and seven touchdowns. Again, on over 100 passes, he barely cracked a thousand yards. He was only the wide receiver 15 in points per game. His average of the target was 6.3 yards downfield. He was used like Jarvis Landry. He was also inefficient. He had a 42nd. He finished 42nd in yards per out run. I know it's hard to ask more from him as a rookie. The issue is I already have him as the wide receiver nine, but for people that want to put him in like the A tier going into year two, I need to see more. It, it wasn't, it, it just wasn't enough for me to put him any higher than that. It just gets extremely tough. And I, now I know I, I completely understand that he has a, an out in his game where he is very fast and he operated downfield in college. So there is upside where he comes in and or he comes into year two and they expand his role. That's 1,000% in the range of outcomes. I have a hard time projecting that as his expected outcome. Because when we talk about his scenario this year, Tyreek comes in, Waddle is wide receiver 15 in redraft. He's only 23. My issue is I'm just not overly excited 
with Waddle, with Tyree Kill there, with Tua, who I think is a very limited passer who can't really get him the ball down the field anyway. So I think he's probably going to be limited to that Jarvis Landry role again. I just have a hard time seeing. I think if he does finish wide receiver uh, as a wide receiver one this year, it'll be like a back end wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12. And pretty much in that area of like T. Higgins. But T. Higgins was a wide receiver 12-ish type guy after his rookie year. So I think that that's about fair. I don't know. I mean, I could talk myself into it. He has Mike McDaniel. Tyree Kill might kind of make the offense better. Tyree Kill might even not washed, but Tyree Kill, once he loses that speed, it gets really, really scary for him. Uh, but again, I think that Tyree Kill, or I think that J- Jalen Waddle, target share is good. I think Waddle will be a perennial wide receiver two for the end of time. I just have a hard time seeing the upside on if he sees an efficiency spike or he sees a better role downfield, which I don't know how soon either of those are coming. Next up, we have this next tier, which is just pretty much like veterans for competing teams, I would call this tier. And the first guy that we'll put here is Stephon Diggs, who I believe I was really sleeping on this dynasty cycle. I wish I had more shares of him. I have zero shares of Stephon Diggs. I wasn't acquiring him anywhere. I don't think that he's even necessarily a buy, but I do think that I was discounting him as almost a tier below uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, which I think is wrong. And this is this is kind of why. Right now, Diggs is the wide receiver four on underdog. I was really underestimating what he was going to project like for 2021 or 2022. Stephon Diggs is a top five wide receiver in redraft this year. He's a wide receiver four on underdog. He's 28. I like him over Devontae and Tyreek at this point just because he is staying with the same team. He has continuity with Josh Allen. He has an amazing quarterback in Josh Allen who is better than Tua and Derek Carr combined in a lab. And I know that he had a disappointing year last year, and that kind of left a sour taste on my tongue, or my tongue, I was going to say my mouth, but same thing, I guess, where he was the wide receiver nine on 16.8 points per game after a 20-plus point per game the season prior. We want as many 20-plus point per game seasons from our wide receivers. Those give us difference-making seasons, high win rate type seasons. We want that really bad. Now, the thing with Stephon Diggs is I was like, maybe... I'm not sure. Maybe he wasn't commanding targets a ton last year. I I wasn't really understanding why his points were down. I thought maybe he just sort of took a step back and was just going to be a back-end wide receiver one type guy. I'm trying to think of kind of like in the mold of like almost like a Keenan Allen. But the issue is here is that he commanded volume last year. He had a 26.4% target share, which is really good still. It's really strong. And the issue is, is that it wasn't a volume problem. It was simply just an efficiency problem, which... In an offense with Josh Allen on the Bills, I have no problem betting against or, or betting for a bounce back in efficiency. With Stephon Diggs, again, this is going to be more redraft takes for these guys because we're not really going to be talking about the next like three, four years with the Stephon Diggs or Devontae Adams. You are rostering them to win now. And with Stephon Diggs, if you look at both of these charts, we have the one that is here. This is from 2021, or no, this is from 2020 when he was good as the wide receiver three. And then the one down below is from last year in 2021 where he was not good. In 2020, he went from 20.5 points per game on 18.3 expected points per game. So that's a 2.2 point per game over expectation. That's really solid. Now this year, you look at it down below, 16.8 points per game, but he had 18 expected points per game minus 1.8 so that pendulum of efficiency swung from positive 2.2 to negative 1.8 but the expected output you know his volume stayed exactly the same so i think this year we'll see him be in that 18 19 point per game range if he hits an efficiency spike with josh allen then 20 plus point game will be in the range of outcome but i think you can 
comfortably project him as a top five wide receiver somewhere in the range of 18 19 points per game with the upside for 20 plus i expect him to be in that 18.5 expected points per game again just comes down to efficiency again efficiency it's all over the place it doesn't happen year to year a ton to string those together like that i think that he will have a fine bounce back year again he was commanding targets he was being he, he was commanding targets he was getting open he was commanding volume it just came down to efficiency i think we'll see that bounce back now at wide receiver 11 we have Devonte adams and Devontae Adams is a little bit more tricky because I don't know how to kind of deal with him and Tyreek Hill in new environments. We don't have a ton of precedent to go by, but we know targets are sticky year to year. And Devontae Adams has that insane target share. Last year, he had a 31.6% target share, over 20 plus point per game. It's ridiculous. 30% target share is just ridiculous on a whole, but he does that. Now he's going to go into the Raiders offense. He has kind of like that shower narrative going on with Derek Carr they both went to school together at Fresno State and that was a great connection there so they're going to be pretty pass heavy here where Mike Clay has them for 11th most attempts 5th most completions 15th most dropbacks so they should be a pass happy team and they should have a ton of completions he's a first round pick on underdog he's a fine like top 10 pick and redraft he is going to be just fine I think it's just tough it's tough to say as confidently if he was on the Packers if he was on the Packers he would probably be either right next to Cooper Cup or in a tier, or in that B tier right behind Waddle, somewhere in that range. But again, he's probably going to be fine. I, I want to see, actually, I think that Mike Clay is, uh, I think I disagree with where Mike Clay has him projected, if I can find that screen grab. Is it this one? Yeah, so Devontae, he has him, Devontae Adams at, as wide receiver six in redraft, but with a 24% target share. I think that's probably wrong. I think we probably see Devontae Adams with a 27% target share, 28% target share, and probably pushing for like, top five wide receiver type numbers now when we go past that we go to Tyreek Hill who I'm least thrilled of all about all these guys I almost I almost don't even want to have Tyreek Hill here but this one's a lot tougher for me because I think it's very close between Tyreek Hill Deontay Johnson DJ Moore I put Tyreek Hill here just because I think that he is he's probably a better bet to have difference making production at any point in the next three years the, the main issue for me is Tyreek Hill doesn't come in a ton of volume. He's never been a, a, a volume guy. He's been an efficiency guy. The issue is that he wins from Mahomes' attempts, where if you get if you catch passes from Mahomes, you're going to get efficiency regardless. And then he also wins from his speed. Now, he no longer has Mahomes. He has Tua, who is really tough. Tua is not going to be able to get him the, the deep ball in the same way. He's not going to be able to be as efficient as Mahomes. And then you look at Tyreek Hill who I'm not saying that anything for certain, but he's now 28. His game, a lot of his game is on just this game-breaking speed that nobody else has. The issue is that at 28, he, I'm not saying that it's going to happen this year, but the minute that speed runs out and he, he hits kind of father time and he slows down, and he just, not even that he's slow anymore, but he just doesn't have that next gear. It's going to get ugly for 20 point per game Tyree kill that we've been accustomed to. So that's my issue for him is that the minute that speed goes, he is probably no longer a top five, top 10 type wide receiver. He's probably a middling wide receiver too. And then he might even fall off the face of the earth like Julio Jones did. Now, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. He's 28. That could happen when he's 31. It could happen this season. I'm just saying it's something to start worrying about when you have Tyree Kill, when you have a team switch like this. We've seen it happen where players switch teams, uh, big free or not big free agents, but like big trades, that kind of thing. And they kind of fall off a little bit. Now, again, he's still Tyree Kill. I have him at wide receiver 12. I'm not giving up on him. I'm just being cautious. I think they're going to find creative ways to use him. 
He should create big plays. He should be fine as like a top five, top eight wide receiver this season. I just think that his floor is a little bit more shaky. He's a little bit more risky than I think people are giving him credit for. Now that is the official top 12 wide receiver dynasty rankings right here. Um, as always, you can find the full thing on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be in the description. It'll be down below in the comments. I think I'm going to do a dynasty update, a dynasty rankings update, probably not this weekend, but the weekend after that, I will. We're going to have new dynasty ranks. I think I'm going to be doing redraft rankings soon. Let me know how you guys think about, I think to kind of, so this, this week we're going to kind of transition out of dynasty. Again, we're going to have one to two dynasty videos a week still, but transition to majority of the videos being redraft now. Um, probably like four a week will be redraft, like two a week will be dynasty, somewhere in that range, like a, like a two to one type ratio. I'm thinking to kind of to kind of intro redraft. What do you guys think about doing a similar video to this, but maybe like a uh, top 12, top or like top 24, like wide receiver or running back rankings, like kind of like a way too early type, because I'm going to need to dive into redraft ranking anyway. So kind of fleshing them out and talking about my thoughts for a video would be like killing two birds with one stone. I'd, I'd knock out a good chunk of the rankings while also getting a video out to you guys. So let me know how you guys think about that. I got some really cool videos that are deeper than just rankings videos, but I do need the more easy layup type videos mixed in just so I have more time to do the cool research type stuff. I do have a, a really fun research driven type video planned for it should be out on Friday. So that'll be really fun. But as always, I love you guys. If you enjoyed, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. We're going to hit the outro. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.